listening to Underwater from Alex Kidd in Miracle World, released December 1986, composed by Takahiko Uwabo. Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian. Joining me on the show today, it is slightly two years older than this topic. Bedroth. <laughs> uh, slightly three. Slightly three? Uh, I gotta, my bad. Gotta get my age. Feeling, feeling old and cold today, it is Bedroth, because <laughs> we're having a... We, we, Texas has not been exempted from the, um, the Arctic blast that a lot of the U.S. got this week. As Indeed. We record. And, and yeah, these, these topics always make me feel old because I'm like, man, this, uh, this, I was four years old when, <laughs> three or four years old when these games came out. <laughs> yep. And the reason we're doing this on this particular day, hopefully if it posts on time, get to that in just a second. Real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcast, whichever app you've chosen, listen to us on, drops a quick rating and a review. Really does help us out in terms of visibility so that the show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as layup of HP Quarks owners as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Z. Zanku. I am scrolling first off to see if we have any new comments. Um, cool. Well, Zanku see. liked the Alan Wake episode. He That's did. all I saw on Discord. Did. Yeah, he said that was a definitely a, a kick-ass awesome playlist, which absolutely. Uh, Dan, hoping we do an exclusive Call of Duty BG Mania episode. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> when, um, <laughs> yeah, when you said that it was maybe... When you said the Alan Wake one was maybe one of your favorites we'd ever done, uh, he was like, oh, so you finally did the call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. 
Um, we do have a new comment. I read that one. Somewhere on Anchor, there is a new comment. It's from a while ago. Pikmin 4. Hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, shout out to Kiefer. Dropped a comment six days ago. Pikmin good. Pikmin good. Pikmin Indeed. good. <laughs> Shukapow would definitely agree with you. Agree with agree with you. Agree of you. Agree with you. Go check out her Shukapow YouTube channel agree. where there's a lot of Pikmin stuff. Shukapow agree. If you think Pikmin good, you will like her YouTube channel. That's Go too many it. words. You gotta yeah. You gotta oh. caveman talk like Seven. I were doing in Discord earlier. I'm I'm old. I ramble. <laughs> Bedroth ramble lots. <laughs> I mean, everybody who listens knows that. That's true. Uh, yeah. But, hey, it's a podcast. What else am I gonna do if I don't talk? Pikmin good. Thank you for the comment. Uh, yes, thank you, Kiefer. That it was the. I only wonder if that's the Kiefer. What do you think? <laughs> like, you think Jack Bauer listens Kiefer, to our podcast? Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. I could see Jack Bauer talking like that. And about I couldn't really picture him playing Pikmin. I was going to say about Pikmin, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. He'd probably be more alliance with uh, with Dan talking about Call of Duty. That's true. That's true. <laughs> 1986. Why are we doing that topic? today. Well, if this posts on time, which should, right? Because as of time of recording, it's January 16th. Uh, I've already halfway edited the Rare Composer episode, which will have uploaded before you hear this. So it doesn't matter that I say that. Mm -hmm. But if this posts on time next week on January 24th, that is my birthday. And I was yeah. born in 1986. So I thought, why not? Let's do a 1986 focus. It's been a while since we focused on just a specific year. We tend to do just like one per year. It seems to be the average, mm -hmm. but not even one per year because we've done less than how many years BG Mania has been going. So we've not done too many just year focuses. And it's always interesting going back that far, right? Like that's almost 40 years ago. Yeah, it's I was actually kind of amazed at how much music I found from 1986. There's a lot. And there is, there a is. lot of good stuff. Yeah. Now, if we ever go back to 1982, that's going to be more challenging, I think. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, because even like Martin Galway didn't get started until 1983, <laughs> I think. But I will say, a lot of the um, computers, a lot of the systems that I brought today were already in use in 1982, so. They were, yeah. You definitely still, still spread within... things out in terms of the <laughs> platforms you focused on. I did. I do what I like to do. I spread yeah, spread things out, share the love, and I gave myself more work to do because this stuff is fun. I like doing this stuff. <laughs> oh, this should be a fun episode. Uh, sad for me, right? Because I'm 38 years old now. Um, knocking on oh, knocking on 40's boo -hoo. door. Knocking on death's knock, door. Knock Make sure. Oh, dude, door. what a good song. Uh, <laughs> particularly the Guns N' Roses version. But call your local funeral parlor. Book my spot. I'm probably on my way there soon. This should be a fun episode, though. Yes. Yes, it should. And and I know it's early right now, but happy birthday, bud. Thank you. I appreciate it. Opening track was yours. Yeah. Opening track. The first system of the episode is the Sega Master System, which, as we almost, I think we say it every time we play a, a track from here, uh, not the best. Not the best. Sound chip. But, not the best. But, the, but for composers who knew how to use it and play to its strengths, it, it was pretty good when it came to melody. If you didn't try to do something too complex or something that had a bass line, then you were doing okay. And Underwater from Alex Kidd in Miracle World has that sort of, you know, laid back, chill, 
but still kind of bright and happy feel that the Alex Kid the games I think are are pretty well known for. Um, yeah. This was composed by Takahiko Uwabo, who has like maybe the most fun to say last name of any composer that we talk about. <laughs> um, but yeah, I this one was. It stayed on the list. This is, just to give everybody, I think, an idea, this is probably the most popular or most most remembered game on my playlist today. Um, <laughs> That's very true, actually. <laughs> most Which of the other crazy, stuff. crazy, dude. Absolutely crazy I as mean, well. It's from systems that really only people who are, like, super into retro systems or super into video game music ever really talk about. And they're they're from games that were oftentimes ported to more popular systems, but even right. then, they just they really aren't that talked about. And but this one stayed on the list because it, it's got got a different sound than a lot of my other tracks. And uh, you know, Sega Master System compared to the other things that were around in '86, like the NES, um, you know, stuff that we remember. Uh, it it's still a little bit less, you know, it was less popular for sure than the NES. Oh, absolutely it was, yeah. Um, underwater, right, we have to listen for the usual underwater elements that make it a true underwater theme, and this track, even back in 1986, still has that, right? Like, you still get, I, I don't know what it is about the instruments that, like, makes me think bubbles. Maybe it's just because I know this is an underwater track, mm -hmm. but elements of some of the stuff that, like, the sound channel and the instruments that are being used here, it kind of sounds like bubbles. Yeah. And maybe it's like that simulated snare, kind of, but not really. Yeah, yeah. I got, got kind of a sizzle thing going on there. I think that first section, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do, it, it's got, like, it's playing, I, I don't know if that's parallel thirds, but it's parallel something, and I think that having those two channels played at the same time um, does have sort of a bubbly sound to it. And then when you get to the second part, there's kind of a, a warble in there. It's kind yeah. of wavery a little bit. And makes so that sound also um, makes it sound underwater for right. sure. Yeah, yeah. So some good work here by Takahiko Uwabo. This was the first Alex Kidd game, and it did come out first for the Sega Master System. And uh, as everything that, that we brought today, it came out in North America first in 1986. Or just if it was exclusive to Japan or something right. like that. Like, original release year 1986, generally, except for something that came out like Zelda. I wouldn't have counted, because that did release in 86 in Japan, but 88 here in North America. Right, yeah. Um, and for mine, like, like I mentioned, a lot of mine were ported to other systems, but these were all, the ones that you're going to be hearing were all the originals. And I will mention while we talk about the tracks, what system each one came from. And we got a couple of names on here that are, that are kind of well-known, but no big superstars, which 1986 was a pretty big year. There were a lot of, uh, franchises that are still around today that Oh, I thought you meant like, I thought then. you meant like in composer names. I was like, what are you talking about? Have you seen my list? <laughs> but I have not seen your list. In terms of games, you're right. I actually don't have any popular games either. But yeah, it's a, well, I was actually just thinking about my, about, about the fact that my list doesn't have any big composer, um, or any, any big game names because, because yeah, uh, we're talking about, um, Dragon Quest came out for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, Metroid came out in 1986. It did. Like you said, Zelda came out in Japan in 1986 and, uh, you know, there were some big, some big stuff that started this year. There was absolutely. 
but I definitely but brought bigger composers. <laughs> I brought bigger composers for sure. But again, I actually... What is my most popular game I brought? Probably, well, I have no idea. None of mine. We can popular. talk about it when we get there. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the most popular one's my Nintendo track, but it's only popular in Japan. Mm-hmm. I have to give a shout out. There is one game that didn't quite make it to uh, to my list. I, I would have put it in place of the Alex Kid game, except when I got to the point where I, I thought I could leave off the Famicom or NES because I was positive you were going to bring something from the Famicom or NES. Of course. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go ahead and dump this. The game is I Am a Teacher, and in in Japanese it's sometimes called Super Mario No Sweater. It was a simulation game that taught you how to knit a Super Mario Brothers sweater. <laughs> That's it? That's all it was? That's it, yeah. So you had to knit a sweater. And Did the music Koji is Kondo pretty chill, though. That? It's what you would expect. No, not at all. It doesn't sound like Mario at all. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that CES. Did you see the CES Mario that uh, was in Vegas earlier this month? It was at, I think it was promoting Target. And the yes, I did voice see that. was oh like a Russian dude. Like, <laughs> like deep so voice. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was the most random thing. Oh my God, it was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. It was so cool. Nintendo was probably so pissed about that. <laughs> Probably so. There was also I almost brought the underwater track from uh, I can't remember I can't remember the name, but Super Mario Mega or Super Mario Special or something like that. Mm. But it was on the PC eighty eight. It was a bootleg Super Mario game on the PC eighty eight, and they they sound like the original Mario tracks, but just slightly different because the PC eighty eight had different hardware. So I almost brought the underwater version of that, but then I decided to bring this one because we've already heard underwater. So that's true. That would have been cool though. I'll have to go check that out. I've never heard that. I'll have to hear the like what it sounds like kind of different. So I also realized that on the uh, the website that we use sometimes for for downloading um, video game music, you can search by year. You can. Yeah. yeah. You can search that by was, a lot. That was of very things. helpful. You can search by a lot. Yes. Of things, which <laughs> yes. is really cool. So, yeah. I actually use that quite that a bit. Was very helpful. Cool. I also utilized the playlist function on that site for the first time putting this one together. Yeah, that was a neat. couple of <laughs> Yeah. Like at least half of my tracks, the version that we're p- picking from is not on YouTube. Like people just don't upload music from those systems to YouTube very often. Yeah, very rare. Very, very rarely. Yep. Well, yeah, I am excited though to see what you brought. So you want to get into your first block? Let's do that. This block should be pretty good, I would say. I think Bedroth, you will particularly, I'm sure you've heard it. Uh, I know you're a massive fan of the beeper, <laughs> but I think you'll like this block, particularly of this middle track. Let's kick things off by taking a listen to Music One from The Goonies. This released on February 21st, 1986, and it was composed by Satoi Terashima. <laughs> The <laughs> 
Coming up next, we're going to take a listen to Title from Agent X in the Brain Drain Caper. This released sometime in 1986, and it was composed by Tim Fallon. Closing out this block, we're going to take a listen to the main theme from Alpha. This released on July 8th of 1986, and it was composed by Nobuo Uematsu.
Coming back in, we are first talking about Music One from The Goonies. Again, this released on February 21st, 1986. The earliest game that actually has an actual release date, right? I don't know about the ones that just came out in 1986 because I have no idea. But in terms of like my list and your list, physical dates that I can confirm, this is the earliest one that we have from 1986, which also why I put that at the beginning, composed by Satoi Terashima, the only probably not big name composer I have on my list. Yeah, I know I've heard this name, but I wouldn't know it if it hadn't been for, uh, you know, the fact that I'm a VGM podcaster. Uh, right. He doesn't have a lot to his name. She. Um, he was an early, she does not have a lot to her name. Uh, she's an early Konami composer, um, obviously, but... Yeah, and, and man, they, you can hear that they early did Konami not sound credit her in, in most of the games she worked on, by the way. So, yeah, we, this we predated don't, the we don't know. Club. Yeah, we don't know what games she actually worked on, except for a couple. Um, we, we know she helped on Castlevania for the NES and Simon's Quest, so those mm-hmm. are, like, her biggest games. But the Goonies... That's where I know her name from, because she's mentioned alongside... Yeah. Uh, Kiji Yamamoto and stuff. Yep, but the Goonies, she did by herself. And the sequel. This is solid. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The sequel to the Goonies that only came out on video game consoles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's that's so wild. But, but yeah, this is a really solid track, um, especially, again, for the for the time period. And But you can hear that early Konami sound. I was you talking can. about the bass line. That it's not the Konami bass that we remember from later after they um, it's not developed some of their more advanced sound chips. Right. Yeah, it's not Castlevania, it's not Contra, you know, not not an Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but it's solid. It's actually, and it's it not is. a, it's not long, right? It's kind of a relatively short loop, right around 50 seconds, but it's a memorable melody. I never played this game, but I feel like I've heard this track. I Same. don't know if this is like music arranged from the movie, but I feel like I've heard this melody before. And that could just because it's so recognizable. Yeah, it is. It's just got one of those those melodies that it makes you feel like you've heard it before, I think. Because yeah. I, I had the same thought. But I know I know there I, I can't think of when I would have ever yeah, heard like, this I, before. I can't I can't possibly have ever played this game, but maybe I did as a child and I just don't remember. Maybe some YouTuber uses it for an intro. It's I mean, possible. it would make for really good intro music for, you know, segments and things like that. So, but, but yeah, I I love the, the title screen with the silhouettes of all the characters. It's and so good. I think that combined with the sound of this track, it's just, it's, it's really nostalgic. God love the Goonies. Oh, yeah. God love the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Then we got to the middle track, which you had heard before. Right. <laughs> kind of a relatively well-known beeper track from Tim Fallen. That was the title from Agent X in the Brain Drain Caper that released sometime in 1986. <laughs> and yeah, what a freaking God, Tim Legend. Or uh, Yeah, he's a legend too, but Tim Fallen. Tim Legend. Yeah, Tim might as well Tim just legend change his Fallen. last name at this point or just start calling him Tim Legend Fallen because this dude, 1986 on a beeper, this sounds good like it's noise right but it sounds yeah, the, good the beeper had, had a noise channel and fallen was able to develop a kit that he could use that could basically add on extra voices to that single noise channel right it's it's we've I mean, not that's played, why everything is coming through we've that, not played that too that many beeper noise. tracks on the show before there's only been like one or two and i think you brought in them yeah both. even when we did our spectrum episode yeah because the beeper this is, is a, not this is a specky track of course yes yeah the beeper is not fun to listen to. It just, it usually sounds like hot garbage. And it was, it was really like wildly innovative for the time. And a lot of composers kind of cut their teeth on that specky beeper, but nobody only, liked him falling. 
Yeah, only the really advanced ones, and nobody could do it like Tim Follett. He was just a wizard when it came to sound programming and then making that sound sound like real music. Yeah, there's there's a melody there, there in this, of this track. There's a melody. Yeah, there is. I we was sitting bobbing my head to it. Yeah. And, I said, any, anybody that walks end. in, looking at us, listening mm-hmm. to this, and just sitting here, like, swaying back and forth and... They would think we were nuts, dude, but it's good. Yep, absolutely. It is. It is. And especially when the track wraps up, there's a part where it plays this lick that it just sounds like an electric guitar, like a wailing electric guitar. And it's it's amazing. And you can still hear those tell- telltale like clicks and beeps that the beeper was known for. Yeah. I mean, that was uses hardware them, like, at percussion. the time. Right. Yeah. He implemented that into the actual track, which is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and Agent X and the Brain Drain Caper, I think it was actually from that Specky episode that I remember hearing this, because I think it was on my shortlist for the beeper tracks I brought, uh, because it sounds so good, and it just, it wasn't quite as good to me as whatever I did end up bringing, uh, would have been the only reason I didn't bring it, but um, th- this is kind of a wild looking game, it, it looks like kind of a point and click style, yeah. which I think there were a lot of on these early computers, uh, but you're like this sci-fi sort of secret agent or detective type dude, which you can kind of get from the title. And you're going from room to room and finding clues to solve mysteries. And I could just imagine, you know, a kid getting this uh, because it sounded like, you know, a decently fun game to play. Booting this and then up. booting it up and hearing this. <laughs> and just <laughs> and getting losing their freaking mind. Blown away, right? Hair blown back from the TV speakers at full blast. <laughs> Yeah, turning it up full blast, and their parents coming in like, what in God's name are you listening? <laughs> what is that devil's music? <laughs> Brian, turn that off. Oh, no, sorry, that's, that was your life again. If you again, play that bad. backwards, <laughs> play that backwards, will you summon, summon Lucifer into our sitting room? That's okay, pretty, I'm going to stop that's now. That's pretty good. Sorry, Sav. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was, that was a good accent. That was pretty good. Yeah, I, I, can, I can do an accent or two. <laughs> yeah, man. This, this is just wild. Fuck wild. And yeah, first first big name, definitely not the last one. You've got some legendary names. Yeah, all for sure, of I think, all the rest of mine are well known composers that we've definitely talked about extensively on this show, um, including my third track. That was an early Square Enix game. We took a listen to the main theme from Alpha, released July eighth, nineteen eighty six. This one done by Nobuo Uematsu, and I think you could tell right away, like those. You know, you call it the five finger, whatever, fanfare. Um, five finger fanfare, yeah. But that's... This is definitely a Japanese composer. Absolutely. <laughs> and you can hear the Final Fantasy in this, right? Because this is real mm-hmm. early. This is relatively early. But you can already hear elements of like what would eventually start becoming the Final Fantasy soundtrack throughout the especially early initial trilogy, one, two, and three. You can hear a lot of that in this main theme with Alpha, which is a PC. Yeah, the arpeggios leading up to the sustained notes. And yeah, I had I was not aware that Uematsu had worked on the PC-88, which which is interesting because I had this track on my shortlist. It was bumped for one of the tracks in my next block just because of in the moment the other track I, I thought I liked it better in the mix of my of my tracks but this is a really really good one and and, uh, it, and an actual based like, on anime? song too right it has a beginning and an end yes which we did mention it has a beginning and an end I believe this yeah. is based on an anime yes um, I don't remember the actual name of the anime uh, maybe it's oh no it's not Huh, okay. It's it just original. looks like it. You got the uh, the anime 
anime girl with the big 80s hair. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> it's on, on an, the cover. An interactive fiction in Eroge, of course. Okay. So this is an Eroge visual novel. Didn't know Uematsu worked on those yeah. either. <laughs> also, but, uh, yeah, is, it makes it, sense. this it's, is one of his earliest soundtracks, right? So this is one of the first things he ever yep. did. The PC-88 was well and still is well known for those kinds of games. So I can't say I'm super surprised, but <laughs> might be hearing a couple more of those types of songs in an upcoming episode. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, this game, Alpha, was praised at its release for its animation quality and the rich facial expressions of its characters. There was a prison sequence that is repeated multiple times throughout the game, which became notorious among <laughs> fans because it depicts the lead character. Her name is Chris Naked. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but this is such a nice song. It, it does not make me picture a scene like that <laughs> but it could just, now yeah it's i mean it's but it's very very nice it's very peaceful uh it's a really good palate cleanser it's like if if that that tim fallen beeper track was just like a strong shot of scotch whiskey then this is that you know that glass of red that, that you okay. drink afterward to wash yeah. it down yeah yeah absolutely i like this one a lot huh, that's pretty good i do too yeah and i mean obviously i'm a big fan of uematsu so getting to explore something relative i'm actually shocked because we've done a focus on him right and I, we usually pull like a few things from early on this is the first track we've ever yeah, played we this game to. so which is kind of cool yeah it is it's cool i'm really glad, glad you brought this it was a very solid block you said you had there. this on your list it was yeah and it was bumped like i said for for one of the tracks yeah. coming up in final in my next final playlist, actually yeah. the second Yep. 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 Uh, just because, again, uh, in in the mix of the other tracks I had, I thought it fit a little better, and just in general, I I liked it a little bit more than this. But you know, who knows? That might change tonight. I might be like, man, why did I? Why did why I, didn't I, I bring it? it? But now you got to bring it, so now I got to have both. <laughs> yeah. But actually, that track you bumped it for is in this next block. It is. Well, yeah. Let's go ahead and get into it then. We're not going to start with that one though. We are actually going to start things off in my first block with main BGM-1 from Gulf Force Defense of Chaos, which is based on an anime. Uh, this game was released in 1986, and it was originally composed by the anime composer, which we'll talk about when we come back, but the arranger composer for this game is Hideki Kanazashi. Thank you. 
Next up, we're going to listen to Menace of Welder, BGM2, from Final Zone, released May 1986 and composed by Nobuhito Koise. And closing out my first block, we're going to listen to Title Screen from BMX Simulator, released in 1986 and composed by David Whitaker. Thank you. 
coming back in, we're first talking about main BGM-1 from Gulf Force Defense of Chaos. Once again, this was released in 1986, and do you still have the original composer's name up? Uh, no, I don't. I know that he... was okay. It was it, Ichizo, Ichizo Seo. something. Yeah, yep. Ichizo Seo was the composer for the anime, but according to the BGM Video Game Music Preservation Foundation (BGMPF), there is. Uh, there is a credit out there somewhere for Hideki Kanazashi of HAL Laboratory, who worked on uh, the Adventures of Lolo and Air Fortress and some other stuff, and uh, on the same team as the guys who made Kirby. And uh, so uh, we've got him down as the composer for the game. But and I, I think and I, I can hear sound, some. I was going to say it sounds like that, right? Like even mentioning some HAL Laboratory, here. yeah, because yeah. I mean a lot of this actually mm-hmm. even sounds like some early HAL games. And I think from what I gathered, Gulf Force is like a space-based sort of sci-fi property. Um, I don't know that for sure, but I think I remember just, just from the screenshots and stuff I saw when I was Did you say this was developed by HAL or was it developed by somebody else? Uh, it, as far as I know, it was not developed by HAL, but you know what? Um, I'm going to look into it a little bit. I'd just be curious if it was, because it does, it does sound similar to, like even elements of it, kind of remind me it was. of was it how so it was developed by how yeah, okay. it was developed by how laboratory i was gonna say because it does even sound like some of the early kirby games in some areas like this part here where like like that reminds me of some mm-hmm. of the areas in some of the like kirby's adventure um i've never heard this before i think this is a really cool track i really like what's going on in the background too it's kind of unnoticeable but like there's some notes that are just warbling around there kind of like bouncing together and it creates this cool sound i don't know i like it yeah it's cool it's got some very distinctive parts to it and uh good use of the noise channel for the percussion here uh this is a space shooter type game um some planet based some space based but you said this was yeah, msx right was how laboratory yes this was on the msx thank you on the msx oh, you didn't say and that. okay maybe you said that off air maybe but but the fact that this is um how laboratory i think even more cements that hideki kanazashi was involved somehow but i think that's this was the only golf force game that was developed by how laboratory after this for the msx2 they um there was a game golf force eternal story that was done by scap trust and then there were two more that were never released golf force raging chaos and golf force beyond the rainbow which were also done by scap trust okay and Apparently, this was a moderately popular anime back in the 80s. It's not one I'm familiar with either. Like, I've never heard of this, even as an IP. Never heard of it. But, you know, if they made that many games after it, I mean, you know, look at the stuff they made games for over here, though. So you never know. Yeah, you never know. (laughs) That was the MSX. And uh, then we move on to my PC-88 game, the one that bumped the Alpha. I really like this, dude. This is dope. (laughs) I see why you bumped it. Yeah, man. I like this a lot. This sounds like nothing else on my playlist, and it's just, I love the, it's, the danger is, like, visceral in yeah. this Yeah, what's the first you thing I really, asked you? Really is this a horror it. game? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talking about um, main BGM, no, The Menace of Welder, BGM 2 from Final Zone, uh, released um, in May of 1986, so about halfway through the year. This was composed by a name I don't know, Nobuhito Koese. But I imagine that Welder must be like a bad guy in this game. This is a top-down run-and-gun style shooter, kind of like Commando, the Capcom game for the yeah. for the uh, for the arcade. And it's um, I, I you know I, I don't know anything about uh, any of this. Me I neither. do know that Final Zone 
was this was a trilogy ported to like Genesis too, wasn't it? I think I remember that this was game actually on one it. of the sequels. Was it? Oh, okay. This one, yeah, this one was Japan only. Um, it is sometimes called uh, Final Zone Wolf because Wolf Team developed this one. Uh, that is the team that was eventually bought by Namco and went on to be the Tales of Machine. Yeah, much <laughs> much um, more popular than Final Zone. Yep. This must have been before uh, guys like um, Yasunori Mitsuda and um, Motoi Sakuraba were involved with Wolf Team games. Yeah. Either that or they were just <laughs> working on different stuff than this. But the... Let me see here. Um, other games by Nobuhito Koisei. It looks like he worked on a game called Emerald Dragon. Um with some other composers. Uh, a game called Legion for the TurboGrafx CD. That actually has some good music. He's on there with several other composers, though. Um, not a whole lot. To, oh, Digital Devil Story, Megami Tensei. He worked on oh. with uh, Shinobu Ogawa. Okay, so, yeah, an early Atlas game. So, yep, also on the PC-88s. But, yeah, so, a little bit, not too much. But, yeah, um, I also really like this track. Yeah, I, this is dope. I, this is a, super cool. It's really... There's a lot going on in this track for the PC-88, I think. And, and it kind of... Because when you think PC-88 a lot going on, usually I tend to think Falcom. And I do hear a lot Falcom of or that Koshiro here, too. Or both. Yeah, Kosh- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yuzo Koshiro, for sure. Yep. And I don't think I don't think Koshiro was uh, was composing yet in 1986, uh, unless know, you have you know something what? by him. I don't, <laughs> and he's somebody that I should have looked up. Um, he does. I don't remember from... <laughs> Are you yes. looking it up? Yeah, he has two in 1986. Man. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's crazy. That's okay. That's fine. I'm sure we'll have them at some point, but yeah, it's... I, know, so I for whatever that's reason, really didn't look, because I didn't think he did. I thought he started in 87, but yeah, that's my bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know he started young, <laughs> so it's like our pal Barry, you know, getting in there when you're like 15, 16. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why not? If you got the chops and you can do it, do it. And speaking of uh, speaking of Barry and composers yeah. further west, uh, we're going to move on to that was totally accidental, by the way. Um, I'm not going to give myself that much credit. Moving on to a track by David Whitaker, one of two names that I think some people might recognize on my list. Uh, this is the title screen from BMX Simulator, uh, and the reason that I brought this one. There were some tracks that, that I bumped that I think were maybe objectively more enjoyable to listen to and were longer, a little more complex, but. This is from the Atari 8-bit. I think when we were talking, I mentioned the Apple II, which was uh, totally wrong on that. This is from the Atari 8-bit. And the 8-bit series, I think, was the successor to what we think of when we say, you know, the Atari, like the 2400 or whatever it was. 2600, yeah. The 2600, yes, thank you. Um, The Atari 8-bit, I think, was the next series of um, Atari computers. that was, like, before the 5200 or whatever it was called? Yeah, somewhere in between there, so... But I feel like this had some of the same. It sounds like it had the same, sim, uh, a similar hardware structure to the ZX Spectrum. Yeah, I you even mentioned like beep the beep, going yeah, on. which may. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but that beep David Whitaker might be using to simulate the bass drum because it is opposite the snare drum. It is, but it's in an odd place for it. It feels it like they're they're switched. Yeah. <laughs> It does. Um, it sounds like a like a clave, like those little wooden cylinders that percussionists click together that you hear in a lot of Spanish music. Yeah, but that's really just because of what it is, and the, you know why it sounds like that. But, but yeah, BMX simulator. I, I can't imagine how immersive that must have been on the Atari eight bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like playing ET, right? You just got this, like, oh man, I'm so immersed. And then fast forward <laughs> forty years, right, and we have VR and AR and simulator games for literally anything you could possibly fucking think of. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, David Whitaker, um, big time composer on the C64, the Amiga, did quite a few things for Atari systems as well. Um, he has a lot of tracks credited to his oh, name. Oh, he absolutely does, um, yeah. Yeah. And he was working um, up into like the mid to late 90s, uh, still doing stuff for like the Amiga and stuff like that. Never really crossed over into Nintendo systems or anything like that. But and he apparently also he was either uh, freelance or worked for um, different developers. Uh, he was um, some of the biggest names probably were Shadow of the Beast on the Amiga. Um, let me see. You got compositions like Glider Rider, Storm and Armageddon Man on the Commodore 64. Um, but he worked on a lot of different computers, too. He worked on the MSX. He worked on the Speccy. And um, so after working about eight years in the U.S. for electronic arts at Redwood Shores, he joined British video game developer Traveler's Tales and uh, working as head of audio in September 2004. So still working, but more behind the scenes. Yeah. Or at least he was, you know, 20 years ago. Traveler's <laughs> Tales. Um, didn't they make some of like the what games did they make? What were they popular for? I know that studio. Um, yeah, I know that name as well. Let me look and see. I want. I wanted to oh, say that's like the, my that's Sims. The, the TT games, like the Lego games. Is that Lego? Oh, okay. That's Traveler's Tales. Yeah. Um, it's a yeah, subsidiary make, of TT Games. Yeah, I guess they do make the Lego games. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking of my Sims for some reason. Uh, he did, and they did. Let me see. Super Monkey Ball Adventure. They worked on Crash Bandicoot. Um, yeah, lots of some Disney games, Mickey Mania. I think I knew uh, that he was there, but I had Witchery. forgotten. Like until you said that, I had forgotten he was working there. Yeah, I think that I I might have heard that at some point too. I, I don't really know honestly. Whitaker is not one that I know as much about compared to guys like Rob Hubbard and even Ben Daglish and yeah. you know um, names, Martin names we're gonna hear uh, soon. Barry Leach, <laughs> not a name we'll hear soon. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah. he did not. He was D Day. I looked. He actually had nothing in 1986. He is a name I looked up. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> But we'll get you next time, though, Barry. We'll see. Yep. <laughs> we'll get you back in there. Don't worry. Um, Don't worry. We'll get you back in there. I think he had something in 87, though. Eighty-seven yeah. was his first year. Um, I don't know what I used to look. Look at that! Up. I saw him pop up on your screen. Yeah, what a cool guy. I really, I really hope I can make it up there to have a beer with him someday. That'd be fun. At that, at uh, that, that yes. restaurant. See, he had a couple things. Like he had one game, but it was like an arranged version of Graham Marsh's Detergent for ICUPS on the Commodore sixty-four in nineteen eighty-six. But okay, I didn't really count that because it's just an arranged version of somebody else's track. So his first stuff was an well. 88. And he might not have been super happy about us bringing that because he was really down on his earliest stuff. Right. When we, when we interviewed him, but <laughs> I wonder what, uh, I wonder Barry, if you're still out there listening, um, any stories with uh, David Whitaker? Did you ever cross paths with him? I'd be curious to know, but yeah, so that was my first block. I got a little MSX and PC88s and some Atari 8-bits. Good block. This episode's going to probably move a little quicker because the music is shorter than we've been bringing as of late. <laughs> <laughs> And since we don't know the games as well, we won't have quite as That's much true. to say about some of this. That's um, true. I can't talk about the I, old I gods of Asgard expect. for 55 minutes straight. <laughs> yeah, right. I did not expect to get halfway through the episode and have the PC-88 be the only machine that we've talked about more than once. <laughs> I think that's about to change. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure that'll change. In yeah, the next because block. I do have two tracks from the NES in my next block. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Well, I'm looking forward to it, seeing what you brought. Sounds good. Let's get to it. Before we get to those NES tracks, we are going to make a stop at the Commodore 64, though. Let's kick things off with this block by taking a listen to the Miami Vice theme from Miami Vice. This released sometime in August of 1986, and it was composed by Martin Galway. Mm-hmm. 
coming up next, let's take a listen to Title from Medulla no Tsubasa, released December 18th, 1986, composed by Naoki Kodaka. <laughs> Closing out this block, let's take a listen to Castle Town from the mysterious Murasame Castle. This released on April 14th of 1986, and it was composed by Koji Kondo. back in we are first talking about the Miami Vice theme from Miami Vice again released sometime in August of 1986 this one done by Martin Galway someone we've actually heard from quite a bit over the last couple weeks and months yeah been on a few he's really been, been creeping in yeah mostly know, from uh, you I snuck him in this regular. time yeah, but I mean, after some of the stuff we've listened to, it's like, how did we not, you know, how did we not discover this guy? He's sooner? a name that I, he's, he's one of the first ones I looked up for like, what did he have in 1986, right? He's one of the first ones I yeah. looked up. Yeah, and we caught him while he was at Ocean with this game. Absolutely, yeah, this was an Ocean game uh, developed by a studio by the name of Canvas, which I'm not super familiar with who they are. 
Yeah. But this yeah. is... Yeah, I'd asked you about that because it sounds like some of the, the Sega arcade it stuff. Um, it does. With some of those like sweeping guitar-ish sounds. <laughs> I don't know if this is like the actual Miami Vice theme though. I can't say that I'm familiar enough with that show to know if this is Same. loosely based on that theme, but I feel like it could be. Yeah. I feel like it could definitely at least, you know, like invoke that theme if it's not specifically that. Right. But I wonder I wonder why it's got the little 2 in parentheses after it. Was this was this a sequel to a different version or something or No, so there's know. only That's two weird. tracks on this game. So this is the second one. Oh, it's one. the number 1 and number 2. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense for a C64 game. <laughs> but I, I this is it's so good and I love how he's got Again, that that electric guitar sound uh, that sounds like you know some electric guitar, like Fallen did on the beeper. Yeah, um, maybe not as technically impressive as what Fallen did on the beeper, but man, it still sounds great. Yeah, I mean the <laughs> Commodore sixty four sound chip, I think, was significantly more advanced than the beeper oh, yeah. too, though. It's, so it was, and that SID chip is legendary. Uh, there are still a lot of people composing on that today in the demo scene. Yep, <laughs> yep, and I but I do believe this is a SID chip version that we listen to because I mean, if you look up some of the mm-hmm. tracks, right, there are. Sid versions and non-Sid versions of the tracks available. Um, we were kind of discussing the keys, though, on the Commodore 64 keyboard. And yeah, you noticed that the number <laughs> keys have yeah. colors on like, the inside facing the player, and that some of the letter keys have like some weird All of the letter shape keys. combinations. All the letter keys have, yeah, these weird shape combinations, yeah. and neither of us know why. We, we, I want to know why. We, we never owned a Commodore, and yeah. yeah. If anybody out there knows, I know we've got some listeners over across the pond, if if anybody knows what those other symbols are for on the Commodore 64 keyboard, the the ones on the front of the keys, please let us know because we're curious. But we're not curious enough to look it up ourselves. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not curious enough to actually <laughs> do the research. But I'm looking around on. I mean, granted, this isn't a full screenshot of the keyboard we can see here, right? But like, I do see a run stop key. Obviously, there's a shift. So holding down shift and, and maybe hitting those keys would do something with the shapes or the colors. But I don't see how that could be implemented like gameplay wise. But I do know the Commodore was capable of other things. So, like, was this a way to also just interact with the system, right? Like, did you need yeah, access could be to programming those, keys right, or something? Right. Did you need those colors for something? I have no idea. Yeah. I'd be curious to know, like, the the logic to the different symbols because there is obviously some something there. Going Every key on. is different, too. There. Every key is different. Yeah. Yeah. So. The keys next to them are slightly, like, just mirrored, though. You know what I mean? Like, so look at Q. Mm-hmm. There's a line going down the middle pointing to the right and then a circle that's filled in. W, the line is pointing to the left and the circle is see-through. Like, each key next to it, it mirrors the one to the left, which is really weird. It is. It is. And I am curious to, to know what's going on there. But this track is great, though, dude. I really, really Super enjoy Super dope. This. Yeah. The other track from this game is very lengthy. It's the title theme. Mm-hmm. This is like the main uh, music that plays in the actual game. And the other one is just the title theme. It's kind of like Parallax, right? It's just Martin Galway just going off for seven just minutes. Riffing. But yeah. it's, it wasn't as impressive, I think, as this one was to me in terms of sound. So that's why I went with this one way shorter. But I thought this actually sounded better. Yeah. Yep, I um I didn't hear the either of these when I was listening through. So um, I'll take your word for it. But good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a man that just gave me the idea that one of these days we could do a, a super size episode of Beach Mania where all the tracks have to be seven minutes or longer. <laughs> but man, could you imagine that episode? Yeah, it's called Alan Wake 2. <laughs> go give it a listen. <laughs> there you go. There you go, dude. <laughs> Then you got a couple of uh, systems that, well, I would say we're more familiar with, but we're, we're really not because these are the Japanese versions. 
Right. Yeah. So, so then the middle track, we did move to another NES track. Uh, and we took a listen to the title theme from Medulla no Subasa, which is translated here over in the U.S. as the Wing of Medulla, but not officially calling it that because the game is exclusive to Japan. It never released outside of Japan. December 18th, 1986. Making this technically Famicom, whereas the Goonies was definitely NES, but sound-wise, the two were identical. Same, yes, same identical system. But this was composed by one of your favorites, Naoki Kodaka. Yeah, Naoki Kodaka. Yeah, definitely. This was before Death Sunsoft Base, uh, yep. so kind of like the, the again, kind of like the Goonies. Uh, they hadn't developed their their more advanced chip that gave them more power yet. But I'm still happy to, always happy to get some Kodaka in in my lunch. So. And we've actually played something <laughs> from this game before. Uh, I don't remember which track, and it may have been on our Kodaka like showcase episode. Even I have no idea. But I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, this is relatively short, right? About a minute and a half. But this is a good title track. I like this a lot. And it does, again, reminds me a lot. It's very nostalgic, first of all. Like, some of those classic NES sounds. It's it's very good. But it doesn't... It is, yeah, very nostalgic track. Like you mentioned with the bass, it's not as impressive as some of the later Sunsoft stuff we would hear in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like Journey to Cilius, Yeah, it's an opening track. It's it's very bright. I really like the sound um, of this. It, it, it does have that Kodaka... That almost chimey sound that, that a lot of Sunsoft games did, um, even on games like Gimmick that Kodaka didn't work on, you have that that particular sound of the square channel. Yeah. And I really, I really, really like that. Yeah. No idea, really anything, probably like we mentioned before, I have no idea what this game is honestly about outside of what Wikipedia tells me. Yeah, it looks me. like a side-scroller. Yeah, side-scroller action-adventure game where you play as uh, uh, the kingdom story is set in the kingdom of Badam, which hosted a bird statue known as the Wing of Medulla. Uh, oh, so you play as a character known as Lucia, and there's 16 stages okay. in this game. Cool, very cool. Yeah, but that's pretty much all I know about the Wing of Medulla or Medulla no Subasa. So the final track of that block, we took a Listen to Castle Town BGM from the mysterious Murasame Castle, which again released on April 14th of 1986, composed by Koji Kondo. And I did misspeak before we got to that block. This is not an NES track. This is a Famicom disk system track or a family computer disk system. Yeah, which did have, I think, at least one other yeah, it was sound channel different. in addition yeah. to what the NES had. Yeah. And you can tell this sounds more advanced than normal NES music, right? Yeah. But yes. even you There's mentioned, you on. can hear Koji Kondo struggling a little bit. Yeah, to fit everything he wants to fit and make it line up rhythmically with what he wants to do, it's it is not a uh, it's definitely, you know, a limitation of hardware, not a limitation of talent, of course. We're talking right. about Koji Kondo. But, but it, and yet, he can still make it sound like what he wants it to sound like, and this is still... Yeah, this still sounds great. A super recognizable track. Absolutely. In terms of, like, the scene, and again, like, popularity specifically in Japan, this probably is the most recognizable thing we're playing today. I would say so. And uh, I think even over here, since it has been, you know, featured in Didn't Smash... did get released? And... Like, maybe not. Did it... It is, it is on the uh, Switch Online. That's right, at this yeah. Point. Yep, it is. So it came out for the 3DS eventually, uh, August 7th, 2014, here in North America. But, yeah. Yep, it did. I'm it not did. counting that. And you know what's this, interesting? This came out in 1986. Even though this is Koji Kondo, and even though this is on the Famicom Disk System, which is a more advanced system, I think I enjoyed that last track a little more, if I'm just listening for pleasure. 
It's, in terms of Naoki Kodaka? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the Kodaka track. Um, I think it just, it was just a nicer track. But this one, it's, you know, it's it's technically still impressive. And just a, just a style I'm not as likely to listen to. But um, still well done, though. Still well done. And this, uh, this is an important game in Nintendo's history, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's unfortunate that the Famicom disc system never made its way over here. But I'm surprised that they didn't do something, even putting it on the SNES, to release this back in the U.S. significantly earlier than they did. Because I feel like yeah, it would have been successful. Playable. Yeah, no, I feel like it would have been successful. I think so, too. I mean, it's basically Zelda, for the most part. Yeah, a lot of similarities, for sure. Yeah, I'm surprised this never came over. I think it would have done well. Uh, I know for sure it would have been something that I played back in the day because Nintendo was my main thing back in the day. So I would have definitely consumed this and probably put a lot of time into it. Um, not a very robust soundtrack, if you look it up. Yeah, I know. It's interesting because I feel like you could have fit a lot more on the FDS, but uh, but this was one of the earliest FDS games. It was. So, I think it was the second. You know, they were still... Uh, I think they were still figuring out yeah, the, all, what all it could do. The game was one of the early games released for the system and the second original after the Zelda that came out for the Famicom Disk System. Yep. Man, now we're three quarters of the way through the episode and we have heard two PC-88 tracks and two NES Famicom tracks. And that's it. So still a lot of variety going on here. Yeah. I think but when, again, when I all think is said and done, PC-88 and Commodore 64 will be tied for the most representation on the playlist. All right. All right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into it then yeah moving right along man this is the earliest we've gotten into the last block i think in quite some time <laughs> well give everybody a little bit of a break after that alan wake track <laughs> uh, alan wake episode but yeah all right then let's go ahead speaking of commodore 64 let's get into the title screen from arc pandora released march of 1986 and composed by anthony crowther and ben daglish <laughs> Thank you. 
Next up, let's listen to Miss Blue from Vallis, the Phantasm Soldier, released December 1986, composed by Shinobu Ogawa. Closing out my second block, we're going to take a listen to OKI Rap from Quartet, released in 1986, composed by Katsuhiro Hayashi. Excited. 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 Excited.
Coming back in, we are first talking about the title screen from Arc Pandora for the Commodore 64. This was composed by the team of Anthony Crowther and Ben Daglish. Now, Daglish, I know of because of, I mean, he's, he's, he's fairly well known yeah. in the C64 scene, but also he was uh, the subject of a very good music episode I did with a friend of mine named Lee Tyrrell. And who is a big fan of Daglish and actually got to uh, <clears throat> interview him once for his um, also now defunct podcast, The Sound Test. But fun fact I didn't know about Anthony Crowther. Uh, he was a programmer as well as working as well as working on the music sometimes. And he and Daglish apparently were kind of a tag team. They formed a, a pair that they they called We Music, W-E-M-U-S-I-C, which stood for We Make Use of Sound and Computers. <laughs> That's awesome, actually. Yep. That's super cool. This is a fun track, dude. I like this. This is a good title screen, too. It is. And you and I were trying I to like, like listen for things that kind of sounded like Daglish, because I do think he has a style that's somewhat recognizable if you're familiar with some of the stuff he's done before. Second half of this track I agree. really does sound a lot like Ben Daglish. It's really interesting, and I wonder if they split up the composition of the track, or if it's just that, you know, the second half tended to have more of his influence, style, but yeah. But yeah, there's a there's a very clear like eight beat demarcation between the two halves of the track, and starting in that section, it, it starts to sound like Daglish. Yep, me. I agree. This is a fun find though. This is nothing I've never I'd never heard it before. So same, and I wouldn't have found it if it hadn't been for the you know search by year function. Um, so. Uh, and all three of our C64 tracks sound pretty different. They do. Um, I'm kind of excited. Yeah. Kind of like uh, both of our Famicom tracks sounded pretty different. And uh, I mean, we'll see about the PC-88s when, when it's all said and done. But <laughs> but yeah, this this was a fun track for sure. I agree. I like this one a lot. Good find. But, but you did not like it as much no. as my next track. Yeah, this <laughs> that middle track that you brought, probably my favorite thing you brought to the show today. That was excellent. It's really good. Uh, kind of like my middle track from my last block. It has a very distinctive sound yes. to it. We're talking about Miss Blue from Valis, the Phantasm Soldier. Um, the latest game, possibly, on our list, it's from December 1986. And um, composed by Shinobu Ogawa, who didn't do a whole lot of stuff. He worked on all three of the Valis games, which I think is why I know his name. Because at least one other podcast has done a, a Valis showcase before. But other than that, the only other thing I really recognized that he worked on was he was the other composer along with, um, was it Nobuhito Koisei? Yeah. Uh, I believe who worked on who we um, mentioned earlier. Digital Level Story. Yeah. Shin Megami Tensei. Kind of yeah. cool that we got both of them on here and they both worked on that game. That's neat. It is. Yeah. Very important game for sure. In oh, absolutely. In games and yeah. game music. Kicked off a, basically what would become that entire Shin Megami Persona universe. So. Absolutely. He apparently also worked at least a little bit later in uh, in J-pop. Um, Interesting. And helped produce helped produce a few things. Okay. Um, not he was eventually though. after the year two thousand was no, not K-pop, but was a executive producer on a couple of um, of different things. So yeah, not a lot of stuff I really recognize. But that's Shinobu Ogawa. I like this, this though. This track, though. Yeah, dude, I like this, this track a is lot. This reminds me, I was telling you, of some of the early stuff we hear. Not maybe, like, necessarily the rocking side of Nihon Falcom, but in terms of, like, some of the areas that you... The area music in, like, the early Ease games. This sounds, especially the opening, sounds like it could be, like, walking out into a field in Ease and just getting ready to just battle with some enemies. Like, that's the vibe I get with this. It sounds a lot like Falcom. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
And it's interesting that he did the work on this um, for, this was, oh, I didn't even mention, this is for the Sharp X1, um, which, you know, related, but not the same thing as the Sharp X68000. Um, but yeah, that actually predated the X68000. But he worked on Valus games for... That might be the, the first time we've ever had PC something 88s. from this platform then on the show. Huh, well, that's two of them, because we, I don't, I don't think we played anything from the um, the Atari 8-bit. Yeah, no, I know either. for a fact we never have. So, yeah, that might be two so, for one cool, there. Very cool. Well, I mean, it's all because we picked this year, because there were there were a lot of things in competition uh, around this time. my mom and so. dad, I guess, picked this year. But. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. But, yeah, he worked on Valus games for... He actually worked on quite a few games because he was working on lots of different systems. He worked on the MSX, the PC-88, the Sharp X1, of course, NES, the Genesis, the TurboGrafx, and the TurboGrafx CD, uh, the X68000, and he was still working um, up around the time of the Sega CD. Uh, and But, yeah, no games that I really recognize in all of that. So it must have been a lot of, a lot of Japanese stuff. Yeah, stuff we never would have even found out about unless we looked into it apparently worked on a TurboGrafx cd version of golden axe that may be his most popular game besides digital devil um monogatari yeah so very cool i like this a lot that leads us i'm glad uh, you brought this one into my last track which was pretty fun <laughs> I and then really after we listened, that. we after we listened, we had a little fun listening to some other tracks on the soundtrack, and you you dug it. Yeah, I'd never, I never like that I had mentioned hours. right. I had no idea what anything on this game, and I told you that I didn't think I knew anything, and yeah, I didn't. I listened. You had me listen to the title theme, and I listened to a couple others on the soundtrack. This is a really fun one. The one you brought though, the specifically quartet, super fun because of the vocals. <laughs> Not really vocals, yeah, but still. yeah, yeah. You mentioned that uh, the yeah the vocal samples. You mentioned that this was a good track to kind of kind of close out on not counting the actual closeout and yeah those vocals are, are super cheesy but I, I wanted to bring this one because there's actually a couple of tracks on the soundtrack that i like better musically than this even though like you said this is still really good but i wanted to showcase that this was in 1986 yeah and we're getting these out. like you know simulated vocals on a track that's pretty impressive for the time but this was our this came out on the right uh, it was the sega system 16 arcade cabinet and sega had been doing arcade games since i think maybe 1980 is when their first arcade system came out so they've been doing this for a little while at this point yeah and the composer here is uh, katsuhiro hayashi who is one of the like seminal sega composers he was one of their earliest if not their earliest composer and in fact i'm pretty sure he is because a little fun fact about him he uh when he was still really young he was basically forced to um join choir and he liked it so much that he watched TV singing shows um, back. This would would have been back in like the '60s. Watched TV singing shows and sang along to learn. Oh my God! How what was the TV show in the too. '60s, dude? What was the one that the Beatles were on? What was that called? I, I don't know, but he, he watched one called The Best Ten. Ed Sullivan Show, right? Okay, yeah, the Ed Sullivan Show. Yeah, there you go. Um, it was it was in watching this and listening to some popular music that in junior high school he became obsessed with Yellow Magic Orchestra. Ah, another and one of those guys. In huh? high school he joined. Yep, in high school he joined a YMO and Cassiopeia cover band. Much like Hitoshi Sakamoto. <laughs> yep, <laughs> they were a big deal in Japan, man. They that's were. like that's kind of like the Beatles for video game music composers. Yeah, you know, it's. Um, and he, um, this was his first arcade project, but he did, I believe he was behind the choice of, 
uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra song for a game called Super Locomotive, which was an early Sega game. Oh, okay, so, okay, okay, cool. Um, so I could be wrong about that, so anybody out there, please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, but yeah, he's he's a really cool guy, um, and he's got some a few soundtracks that people might might recognize. Zaxxon, um, Hang On, uh, everybody recognizes Hang, Hang on, on, yeah, for sure. That's in Shenmue. Black, yep, Black Belt, um, Rambo, First Blood Part 2 for the Master System. Okay. Um, Heavyweight Champ and uh, Galaxy Force and Galaxy Force 2. He worked on all of those. So, yeah, there we go. That is my final track of show. This is the one that you said also potentially influenced, like, early Sonic games in terms of the music? Was that this one? I, so, I did, uh, it, it's been a little while. It's been a couple of years now, but I found Quartet because I was looking for games games that had to do with number four for um, an episode I did to play in the fourth season of Very Good Music. That's how I found Quartet. And I remember looking into it a little bit, and I feel like I heard that Masato Nakamura was a popular musician in Japan who was the composer for the first two Sonic games. And I feel like I remember seeing that he was influenced by Hayashi's work on Quartet when he was putting together, like, the sounds of the Sonic games. And I could kind of hear Not that necessarily after, after the you style told me that, much. like, certain elements Maybe a little it, bit. Right? Like, certain elements. I could hear it. But it could also just be that the Sega System 16 was influential on the sound hardware in the Genesis. True. And that's why um, there, are lo- there are a lot of similar sounds to the Sonic sounds. But, but yeah, you can definitely tell this is Sega, though. Oh, absolutely. This does sound like Sega. This is cool, man. I'm glad you introduced me to the soundtrack because outside of this, right, what else is on there? Like FM Funk and the main theme, the ones that I particularly listen the main to. Theme. I'm sure if I go listen to the rest, they're all just as good. This is a cool soundtrack for 1986. It is. It's really fun. Yeah, and like you said, the 1986, this is really impressive. Yeah, super cool, man. Good find. Well, good find several years ago, but I'm glad you brought it back for this show. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And yeah, when I saw that Quartet was released in 86, I knew immediately it was going to end up on here somehow. Nice. Very, very cool. This has been fun, though, dude. I had a lot of fun putting these tracks together, and I heard a lot of stuff I'd never heard before. Yeah, same. Most of what you brought today I had never heard before, so that was a definite treat for me. Um, I'm glad we did this. Like I said, it just lined up perfectly, right? My birthday being on the usual day that we post these episodes. Yeah, I'm really glad you were born, dude. Yeah, me too. (laughs) We'll see how much longer I'm here for. Yep, yep. (laughs) We will see, we will see. But I'll tell you, though, you mentioned that that Valis track was probably your, your favorite track of the ones I brought. Yeah. Um, I don't know what my favorite track that I brought was. It, it's probably either that or the Golf Force track. But my favorite track that you brought <laughs> is the one that we're closing out with. How could it not be? <laughs> <laughs> so to close out the show, we're going to take a listen to the main theme from Light Force, which was released just sometime in 1986. This is basically just Rob Hubbard doing Rob Hubbard things on the Commodore 64, <laughs> making it sound yep. amazing for seven minutes. And this is what I fucking love, dude. Back then, right? Like we we saw Martin Galway's with Parallax and other things, Yoken Hipple on the Atari. Back then, mm-hmm. these guys just would rip for six, yeah. seven, eight, nine plus minutes, never looping, and just oh, it's it's just like if you know, like in the middle of a rock song when the guitarist finally gets his moment and he just goes, and the solo is like seven minutes long. 
that's what this is. <laughs> yep. These guys are just going. And it's so impressive. Commodore in 1986 doing and sounding like this. It's so crazy, dude. And it, again, we've seen stuff like this. So it's like, I'm not blown away, but I'm still blown away each time I see stuff like this or hear stuff like this. And Rob Hubbard was... A master. He was one of the gods. Yeah, a know? master. He was one of the masters. If there were a Mount Rushmore of C64 composers, he and Martin Galway would, would definitely 100% be on there. I'd probably put Daglish on there myself as well. And then... Um, Galway and Hubbard, though, are undeniable. Like, you can't argue undeniably. those two. Yeah, those two, those two, yeah, no contest, no contest. This this is just incredible, man. And the way that it evolves... Um, this was, We watched an oscilloscope video, which I know you love. Oh, yeah, yeah, we both love those. Yeah, so cool to watch those channels and just how he manipulates them, dude, especially the middle channel, how he manipulates these. Yep, just that's the noise channel yeah. and how he makes it sound like a drum kit when it's just noise. It's just like, noise. Y- you have to replicate the sound wave of the different drums when, you know, when they're struck to make that sound. And I don't, I don't know how he did it. And then programming it into the computer just it's mind-boggling to me what some of these guys were able to pull off this is barry if you're still there that's you as well yeah no absolutely (laughs) very freaking master at this too um man just again just had very kind words about rob hubbard as well absolutely just watching this video again though like just the sound channels and the way it's just so impressive and every time i listen to this like i still hear the same things that i really love about this track but i almost always hear something different just because there's so much stuff going on yeah yeah for sure very high note to play out on yeah make sure you stick around right much like when we closed out with martin galway's parallax a few weeks ago some of these lengthier tracks at the end this is so worth it it's so good and the ending is so good these guys knew how to close these commodore 64 tracks dude they always end so epic all right well thanks everybody for listening and drop us some comments let us know what you thought of this episode i know this was off the beaten path for us well damn you're Uh, you're ready to go you're wrapping this up all right well anything to plug I mean, I was just, I was just gonna say, cause you know, I, I, I feel like a lot of the stuff we do, I don't know, Beach Mania doesn't really have a thing, except that we focus on, you know, a different, yeah. a different topic. Why do we need and a thing? It's, it's a, it's a topical show, but yeah, there we go. But this is really different, you know. Um, we don't bring this kind of stuff very often, and. I am curious what people what people think of it. Um, I want us to get comments on this episode, so that, that was my only shout out. Is give us give us some comments. Give us some comments. Let us know what you thought. And I think before this one posts, your second episode of BG Mania B sides will be available. Oh, BG Mania B sides. Yeah, my this my this will one. actually that'll drop between too. the rare and this episode. So yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Then by now, uh, people who are listening on the on the stream, anyone that's or whatever you call it, they know. Um, everyone, anyone who's caught up, Paranormal Sites, the Seven Mysteries of Hanjo. I was super excited about bringing those tracks. I only brought about half the soundtrack, and okay. uh, I mean, definitely go check out the rest of it. There are 19 tracks. I brought 10 on that episode, and then I brought the one that I brought uh, on the best of, and it's it is my personal soundtrack of 2020. I have not it, listened to that episode yet, but I'm excited to listen to it. I'm excited for you to hear yeah, it too. I'm actually um, waiting it's, until it's basically time. I'm going to listen to it for the most part, pretty much the same time everybody else, but about an hour earlier than everybody else technically has access <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah, you so say you can listen through and 
make sure I didn't, you know, uh, screw up too much. <laughs> I don't need to make any edits. If you did, you did. Screw it. Still going to make it live however you did it. There we go. <laughs> I love how you say I don't need to make any edits and not. Nah, man, I'm sure you didn't screw up. It's yeah, if you did, you did. But if you did, I don't, I don't give a shit. You screwed up. I screw up all the time. <laughs> No big deal. Oh, uh, man. But it's it, it's been fun. I've been, I've been enjoying the B-sides. And we've got um got a little bit of a break between this and the next time I'm recording with you. And so I'm going to have time to put together another couple and keep them on the back burner for what we need. And I'm excited. The next um, the next two, I think, are also going to be going to be really good. I, I have decided, at least for a little while, that I'm going to alternate bringing things I haven't uh, brought to the show before and then some things from that best of 2023 episode. Okay. Because a few of those soundtracks deserve yeah, more Yeah, you had mentioned you wanted attention. to maybe kind of so, highlight yeah. a few of those. So yeah, I think that's cool. So that's my, my tentative plan. And uh, I already shouted out Shukapau at the beginning of the episode, so I don't have anything else, dude. All right. Well, I think that'll unfortunately wrap us up then and bring us to the close of the show for this week. We do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania, made possible, of course, by RPG Era. If you like video game music, and more importantly, you like us and you want to help us grow the show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Click it join it and interact with us taking us out of the show today we're going to be taking a listen once again to the main theme from light force released sometime in 1986 composed by rob hubbard stick around for the full thing keep the music playing and keep it loud